0: Monday, January 30th, 2023, it's day 752 of the J-6 political hostage crisis. The good news today is Lieutenant Lancaster of the DC CTF has been fired. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining this episode of Justice in Jeopardy. Today's episode includes an interview with Kirsten Niemela, who is a J-6er who just went through trial last week. And uh she has quite a story to tell about what went on in that courtroom. And I also have a interview I did with the great, the one and only trennis Evidence of Condemned USA.com. And that is from the Reawaken tour in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. So sit back and enjoy the show. Emila, hey Carson, hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Kirsten is a J6er and uh she's yeah. she's been on a past episode. We've we've gone through uh what what she had dealt with up to that point. But I want to give a little background on Kirsten. She is a huge patriot and is involved in all sorts of convoys and flag waving events. And uh she uh she saw Trump yesterday. Why don't you tell us about it, Kirsten?
1: So uh seeing Trump yesterday was awesome. There was some uh conflicting things on where he was gonna be, and I think they did that to throw people off. Um So we went to the original place in Salem High School. Uh, We met up actually in Manchester, a different city. And we had a bunch of convoys, trucks with flags, everything. And we drove over. We went through like two different towns, got there. Everybody, I mean, the crowd was so excited to see our convoy. Like, And Derek happened to catch it on live. It was awesome. And we just drove through, we did circles, through all the crowds, everyone's screaming and chanting. Trump was supposed to be there at 10, but as we know, this man is fashionably late.
2: Oh yeah,
3: always, he's so, no different.
1: <laughs> so we stood outside in the freezing cold uh, for hours. <laughs> and then I was quite disappointed. I, I think a lot of it, it wasn't publicized enough. To get people out, I know it wasn't a Trump rally, but I still would have liked to see, you know, twenty thousand New Hampshire people there. But and then once he we he convoyed in, the crowd kind of dispersed, and there was only I don't know maybe like a hundred of us left, and we all you know sang the national anthem, uh, the pledge of allegiance, and we got to see Trump leave. And clear as day in the window, giving us two thumbs up with a smiley face. So it was awesome. And he did mention, we, we listened to him live. I brought my big speaker. We listened to him outside in the parking lot. And I know I missed some of it, but I know he did mention the January Sixers.
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. So he gave a little speech there, and 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 we hadn't mentioned, but this was in New Hampshire, and and then he uh, he was later going to South Carolina. After that, is that correct?
1: Yes. Okay. So he was, I'm sure, fashionably late for that too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I, I got to, I, I got a call from uh, my my friend Todd Gearhart, who is the uh, make honey great again guy, and he. He was getting to see him down there in South Carolina, and he had a booth set up to sell his honey. And uh, he he called to let me know today that he had sold uh, 16 bottles, and uh, that he was he was giving all the donations to us. So so for anybody who wants to to help support um, our cause, you can you can go to makehoneygreatagain.com and put in the sales code Mel. And uh, a portion of the proceeds go to support uh, Justice in Jeopardy and uh, Americans for Justice. So um, tell us, uh, you, had, uh, you had court this week. You had, you okay. had your trial and you, you are a hero of mine because you were not going to uh, take a plea. Uh, and, and you know how all these trials have gone. And what the outcome is, but you still are such an amazing fighter, such a warrior that you were like, I, I'm going to trial. I'm I'm going to court. So uh I I I got to go see you for a few minutes. I didn't get to sit in on any of the of the uh trial, but um, you know, you did tell me about how it was going and it just sounds awful. So why don't you uh why don't you just give us a rundown of that?
1: Well, so my first day, now mind you take it back a little bit, I was supposed to have a pre-trial on Tuesday before my trial, the week before. They canceled that. And they rescheduled it for Friday. But because Barnett's case was not done, they canceled it. So Monday, they started my jury selection without ever giving me a pre-trial. So what normally Uh, happens in the pre-trial? So basically, the judge will go through all of the motions that either... We have filed like my change of venue. Um, the government filed a bunch of uh, motions like we're not allowed to mention Ashley Babbitt. We're not allowed to use entrapment. Uh, we're not allowed to use the police let us in. So they had filed all these motions ahead of time. And these some of these motions have been sitting there with the judge for a month, two months. And pretrial, you're supposed to go over all of those motions and the judge denies or approves whichever line of defense, um, and yeah, so I didn't get that. So basically, that's, that's just
0: amazing. So is so I, I had heard that you know the judge was disallowing a mention of of Ashley Babbitt in these courts. Has that just been standard for
1: every one of these? I'm not sure on that. I think um, I'm not. You know, I'm not too close on everyone else's cases as much as I would like to be, but I've been trying to prepare for my own. And by preparing, that means I should have been uh representing myself because my lawyers were absolutely <laughs> useless. So I felt like leading up to this, you know, I felt confident. I felt, you know, maybe the truth will come out. And then sure enough, my day in court came and uh nothing could have prepared me for this week. I'll tell you that.
0: Wow. So tell us about, uh, tell us what happened with the jury selection.
1: So uh, Monday morning we start, we get told that there's 50 um, jurors and they all come into the room. The judge gives them an index card and he reads off like 27 questions. Some were given by the defense and some were given by the uh, prosecutors and some are just standard jury questions. Um, some of them involved, if you find out that the defendant in this case believes in QAnon, would you have a hard time being a juror? Um, also, there was another, another question about if the defendant believes the 2020 election is stolen, would you be able to give her a fair trial? Um, and then because of the request of me, because my lawyers apparently didn't think that this was important, but I had them add a question about... If you're prejudiced against gay people, given that I'm a gay woman and that that does matter. And okay, you could have selected somebody that wasn't, you know, against QAnon, but you selected jurors that are against gay people. So there were questions like that. And then the basic, you know, jury questions. um, And a lot of them answered yes to a lot of questions, which then meant each individual had to come into the courtroom one by one at a time. And the judge would ask them about these questions that they answered yes to. Um, And he, I think he, he striked maybe four or five people. And that was because I think he had to show face on something that he, it wasn't a hundred percent (laughs) corrupt. So like, jurors that got up there and said, I believe everybody, everybody that went to January 6th is a terrorist. You know, he striked that person. Um, And then there was somebody that he personally knew and was friends with the judge. So he was excused. But then it got down to the judge even made a comment. Well, this isn't looking very good. And of course, you know, I mumble under my breath, well, if you would have given me my change of venue, we wouldn't be having this problem. (laughs) Uh, It was quite convenient that almost everybody lived within a mile of the Capitol that was there that day for my jury selection. You're talking, you have people that work for the DOJ, you have people that used to work for the FBI, you have people where they intern or whatever for a senator, or a congressman that was at the Capitol that day, their best friend is a Capitol police officer that was injured that day, uh, law professors. Um, it it was it was wild. Um, and then to top it off, there was maybe five people that I would have even thought could have been neutral. And of course, the prosecutors get six strikes, so they striked Anybody that was remotely neutral. Um, And then towards the end, when we were getting down to the 14, I started seeing jurors that we wanted more than others, I guess. And all of a sudden they were walking away, getting swapped out. And I asked my lawyer, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I must've messed up on the numbers. So he's all confused, messed up on the juror numbers, pick some of the wrong ones to strike. Um, And then I said, you better address the judge. So all of a sudden we get on the phones with the judge and he would not allow him to correct it. So I got screwed not only by the jurors that were selected to be there that day, I then got screwed by my own attorney and then screwed by the judge for the few objections that my attorneys had for said jurors that the judge approved. And he says, nope, I think they can be fair and impartial. But the problem is, is that it's almost like the prosecution and the judge rehab these people back. So these people have already expressed and answered, I don't know, 10, 10 out of the 27 with a yes, which means they have a problem with something that was asked. And, you know, some people would sit there and pause for what I felt to be like a minute when he's asking them, you know, can you set your feeling, your personal feelings aside? You know, do you feel like, because you have friends that worked at the Capitol that day who, who were traumatized, you know, is that gonna affect you? And some of these people were like, um, um, I, I mean, I, I think I can be fair. You think? No, that, that's not acceptable.
0: It's really unbelievable. I mean, we hear this in courtroom after courtroom that that the judges are like, oh, oh, you don't think you can be neutral? Oh, I think you can. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. If I give you strict instructions, can you can you, you know, do as I ask you to? And I mean, even then they still hesitated, but nope. As long as they said maybe, you know, they were accepted. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean. When you're having a jury trial, essentially, when you know from day one that you're you're screwed, it kind of makes the process just want to get done and over with because you feel like you're you're never going to get hurt anyways. You're you're not going to get justice because now you know that you have twelve people that are stacked against you. So it you know it was very discouraging. It was also very embarrassing. Because, you know, if I was an attorney and I hadn't practiced in DC before, I would make the initiative to go down a little bit earlier. You could have had one of the interns or a staff member or something, at least walk you through a courtroom, show you like what's going on. You know, this is where you can stand to address the jury. You know, you gotta go to this podium or you have to sit at your table and use this microphone. Here's the phones. I mean, they didn't know how to use the phones. They, they didn't know how to address the judge. The clerk kept yelling at them for not using their microphone. The courtroom is completely set up from anything that they've ever experienced. So it was pretty embarrassing. Um, and I felt like everything was a reflection on me. You know, it's not them on trial, it's me on trial. I felt like a lot of their questioning, opening and closing statements was a lot of stuttering, hesitating, looking back at notes, Um, and as we all know, know, what my attorneys say is not evidence. It's essentially hearsay without presenting evidence. So mind you, I had my own evidence on my phone. It's in my cloud. You know, the FBI has it too. I mean, they took my phone for two weeks and downloaded it. So I had my own pictures and my own videos that could have cleared my name in the way that the prosecution was blasting me or making me out to be, um, as far as like the pictures they kept showing of me in the tree and fencing behind me. Well, that fencing was facing the street, which I believe is Constitution, um, all the way to the left. So that's not how I came onto the lawn. And if they would have shown with my own pictures and videos where I entered the lawn, as many have already testified that all that fencing was gone by one o'clock. I didn't get to the Capitol until like 1.56. So, you know, they painted this whole prosecution on, you know, Miss Nimala bar- you know, barricaded through all the fencing. She stormed the Capitol. She pushed through cops. And it's like, first of all, I'm not charged with assaults. I didn't push through any cops, okay? And I didn't go through any fencing because there was no fencing. So everything that they had built me up on could have been easily disputed by my own evidence. But my attorneys through my whole trial did not show not one video, not one picture in my defense. And essentially they let this prosecution hammer me in this trial and paint me as a right-wing extremist, terrorist, uh, supposedly because I shared things on Facebook that I wasn't the author of. Um, They painted it to the jury that I had pre-planned to go to the Capitol January 6th. They used my own freedom of speech against me. They had text messages, Facebook messenger, um, the, the the convenience part was they got all of my Facebook accounts from Facebook, but when asked about my videos, they said that they didn't have access, that they disappeared, or that Facebook didn't have my videos.
2: Interesting. No, Facebook
1: had my videos. They'd probably just tell a different story than what you painted in court. So I, I everything was quite convenient, but they, they
0: do not like any kind of exculpatory evidence, do they? No. Mm-mm.
1: And my lawyers didn't even attempt to. I mean, they were allowed to have. I don't even know how many exhibits. I mean, there were a few times that the judge did say counsel, you know, you could tell he was it was getting ridiculous. We the FBI agent testified for like six hours. OK. And he was the one on the stand when they went through all of my pictures, all of my videos, and they would literally pause every 10 seconds. Can you identify who this is? Play it for a few seconds. Can you identify who this is? It's like, listen, we're not disputing that I was there. Stop wasting our time. I mean, and the judge got irritated a few times. It was like, you know, how long do you need for your closing argument? They're like, I don't know, like an hour. He goes, "Really? You need an hour?" Wow! And my and he looks at my lawyer and he goes, "How long do you need?" He's like, "Less than twenty minutes." And he's like, "All right, counsel, you know, let let's try to mesh it together a, a little bit shorter.
0: Let's try to trim this down a little bit."
3: Yeah, you
1: know, it's ridiculous. First of all, I don't even have any felonies. You know, these are all misdemeanors. The fact that I even went to trial is. Crazy, considering the judge a couple months ago gave, you know, had pointed out to the prosecution that two of my charges are not jury triable because they're considered petty charges. So the judge had asked the prosecution if they would be willing to drop two of those charges. Of course, no, because they they just have to ruin as many lives as they can. They know that what I did, like. I, I did not even touch a single person. Never once, even in all these videos they showed, never once did my hands go up. I don't push anybody. I don't even chant. They don't even have me on audio saying a, a, not even a word. They have that, that female uh, blonde officer that testified. And then they pull up a video and say, oh, well, here's Ms. Nimua circled, and here's the police officer. Ms. Nemo was about three feet away, which I think is a a little extreme. You know, you're judging from a video how far away I am. So they say I'm within two or three feet. Well, she gets up and testifies that I she never saw me. She never heard me. I never said anything to her. I never touched her. So it's like if anything, your witnesses helped me more than anything. But it still didn't matter because they're law enforcement. They're from the capitol. So whatever they say goes. Um, and I love how the FBI lied on the stand a few times. You know, one about surveillancing me and being asked about that. And I had written a text message. Now it's hyperbole. It's, you know, people say it all the time. Hey, I'm going to kill you. You know, it's, it's a phrase. People don't actually mean it. So and I believe it was January 17th. I had written a text message and a bunch, in a group message with a bunch of Patriots. And I said, you know, if things don't change, we're either going locked and loaded, Uh, we off ourselves because who wants to live like this, or we buy land and live off grid. So this was presented to the jury, mind you. Yeah, and
0: how many of us have not said stuff like that? You know?
1: So they they cross-examined the FBI and he was like, so, um, did Miss Nimala ever come back to D.C. in the last two years? And he's like, uh, well, I, I don't know. She could have. He goes, Agent Hasabaka, come on. You just got done telling us that you have been surveillancing Miss Nimala, That you have been establishing a pattern of life. Who she hangs out with, where she goes. So you were obviously following her. And we know that you have access to her phone. So, I'm gonna ask you again. Did Miss Nimala come to DC in the last two years? And he was like, No. Okay, because that, that was hard to answer, I guess. And then he said, Is Miss Nimala sitting at the defense table right now? Did she off herself? No. And oh did at any point in time live off grit? And he goes, Well, I mean, her and her friend did buy a camper. Okay, many people own pampers, but you were surveillancing Miss Nimala's cell phone, were you? Yes. Now you need a grid to have a cell phone, correct? And he's like, yep. So is it safe to say Miss Nimala wasn't living off grid? Yeah, you could say that. I'm like, oh my God. And then, you know, I shared something that Elijah Schaefer apparently posted on Twitter that day. And they're saying that the UTC time on Facebook things that they've gotten from Facebook, at the beginning, he testified that it's five hours, You would add five hours. Then in his next testimony, it's that you subtract five hours. So they're trying to say, mind you, I have a like 15 second clip of when I first walked in the building. Then my phone died. Everybody knows that. Everybody in New Hampshire, like 15, 20 people that were trying to get a hold of me were calling everybody else's cell phone because mine was dead. They're trying to now say that I reshared that while I was in the building. My phone died after the first 15-second clip of us walking into the building. Wow. Also a clip from my phone that they didn't show. So they're very pick and choose on where they get their information. He also testified that those pictures and videos did not come from my cell phone. They, it was me in a tree by myself on my cell phone. It's on my Google cloud, they are my pictures. So I'm like, I, I don't get why you would lie about that. Or is it because you only submitted certain things from my phone that you wanna say, oh, these came from a group message? Yes, I may have shared them. Well, we know that you had my phone. So we know you have everything that I took that day. But why hide that? So, I mean, yeah, it's, things- it's,
0: it's really just disgusting because they know they know that they are having to come up with evidence and to and to try to prove, uh, you know, malfeasance and crime and and all of that, um, you know, unworthily that 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 none of this really adds
1: up now. And then, uh, so one of my witnesses, he's a family friend, and uh, I worked for him for a while. He's a master electrician. So he went to the Capitol that day, but he did not go in. So when they found out he was on my witness list, the prosecutor addresses the judge at the end of the day and gives this whole spiel about how he needs to talk to a private attorney, that he needs to be, he needs to understand his Fifth Amendment rights, Essentially beating around the bush of, we could now arrest you if you testify for being on the law. So they pulled that card. Um, and then what I found really crazy to me is, which is kind of what steered me away from testifying, which I'll get to that after. There's, there's more than one reason. But what they did to my witness was extreme. Um for one, they asked him, you know, hey, is it true that you have pending fraud charges? And of course, my lawyer's objected and the judge, you know, asked the, def- or asked the prosecutor, why are you bringing, well, how is this relevant? Well, it's to show uh, credibility. So now mind you, nobody knows, they took a break deliberately right before he was testifying to go find out whatever information they could to try and use against him. First of all, this is an ongoing case that has been going on for four years. It's family related. It's a brother and sister fighting over who had, you know, rights over their parents. It's a whole big sham. Mind you, it's been open for the last four years and nothing has come of it.
0: Well, well that's the thing. That's how they do everything now. Exactly. What's, what's there's no point more, you know,
1: yeah, there's, there's no more
0: uh, innocent, less proven guilty. It's uh, if you get charged with something, then
1: then you're guilty. Right. Yep. And um, so then the best part was, and again, you know, my lawyers didn't object, which I feel like they should have. I feel like this turned sexist real quick. So he had asked my witness on the stand, um, what do you do for work? And he's like, I'm a master electrician. And you said that Miss Nemo will work for you. Yep. She she has on and off for five years. And um how many how many women do you see in in that field and he's like i mean not as much as guys and he's like okay so and you also said that miss neema does construction right he's like yeah and he goes and how many how many women typically are in that that line of work and you could see marks on the stand looking all confused like what are you getting at and then he's like so, it's safe to say that Miss Nimala is pretty tough, huh? You know, she speaks her mind. She's she's you know not going to be bullied or or pressured into doing something. And I was like, wow, you people are something else. That's so,
0: unbelievable. I, yeah, I was trying to figure well, out where they were going with that myself.
1: It's crazy. And then they kept bringing up you know a threat to democracy and again i almost want to be like a kid in school and raise my hand and stand up and be like it's not a democracy we're yeah. a constitutional republic well, yeah i mean that that phrase is <laughs> you know? used we i mean we've seen them obviously
0: using it in the in in the media and and uh, the the left wing politicians using that phrase over and over but it's been heard in these courtrooms too
1: yep and then they brought up you know a group message where we had said you know, um, all the people that have gone against the people and against the law of the 10 days to investigate the votes, that it's treason. So then, you know, they start asking him about that. So is it true that you and your friends think that these politicians um, are committing treason? And then he's like, and you know what the punishment is for treason, right? Because, you know, you guys brag about it, right? Here, here's a text message of saying, hang them high. And of course, you know, they bring up the noose that was there. And, you know, so they're trying to prove intent that, you know, we went there to hang all these people and send them to Gitmo. And it was just, I mean, such a far stretch for these people that it's almost like you're in my case anyways, you know, I I only have misdemeanors. Everybody is shocked that I even went to trial to begin with on misdemeanors. But it's like they, they didn't hold back. I mean, even for minor charges like that, they they stretched pretty far to paint me as something decide, I'm not.
0: How did you decide whether or not you were going to do a bench trial or a
1: jury trial? Well, so I've done a little research on some of the judges. Um, some of them don't have the best record. Um, some of them didn't recuse themselves from Certain January sixes that they should have, which I feel to be breaking some type of a law or rule um, so I mean, I knew I was screwed in d c either way, but I thought maybe I might have a better chance with twelve people and not just one, sure,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, um, and, you
0: know, and I have another question too and and this is uh, you know, there's the the left likes to you know talk about how uh inclusive they are and and all of that stuff and and so there's you know certain people that you know they believe that uh the right and 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 maga is is uh you know just the white people uh you know the straight white people so right. So you got to wonder in these courtrooms when there's someone of color, um, a black man or a gay woman that don't fit their, you know, mold of, of who these people are. It, you got to wonder if they want to if they're going to go harder on you because you have have jumped the line. You're mm-hmm. you're not you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you know.
1: Yeah, it's. Man, these they're pretty uh they're pretty grimy down there, I'll say. And uh, you know, I, I feel like I was sold out from the get-go. You know, when it came down to after my witness testified, it was either I was testifying or the case, or we were essentially doing closing arguments. Now, the reasons for me not testifying, there's a couple. Um for one. Testifying is not, it's not me getting up there and telling my story. It's me being interrogated, watching what they did to everybody else and did to my own witness. I knew they were going 20 times harder on me. And I didn't feel like I was going to be able to actually tell my story because it's not, uh, they don't allow me time to sit up there and say what I did. It's just attack, 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 question, question, question. And I didn't have enough faith in my attorneys to essentially pull out those things from me to be able to tell my story.
0: To ask the questions in a way that would give you the opportunity to really tell your story. Oh, yeah. And
1: also, right before I was deciding to testify, me and my lawyers went in a private room and had a big screaming match. And they told me that I would be absolutely insane if I testified. kept telling me, oh, they got nothing, Kirsten. They got nothing. We can beat three of these charges. The only one that you probably won't beat is the trespassing. Oh, we got this. We got this. You don't need to testify. If you testify, you're gonna incriminate yourself. So I got them telling me this, me knowing I can't really tell my story, watching what they did to my witness. And then then also if I testified, there was gonna be a scheduling conflict because my judge has vacation. So he has to leave by three o'clock on Thursday. So if I would have testified, it would have put us past that. And I'm like, you know, and this is why I went off my lawyers. This
0: is my life and you're worried about your vacation.
1: Well, this is my thing. I had asked for months to file an extension for many reasons for the evidence that keeps coming out, for the fact that my attorneys were not prepared, for the fact that they even refused to call David Sumrow, Um, as I was gonna have him testify in my trial. They refused. They refused to speak to half of my witnesses or allow them to testify. So with, with nothing prepared on their end, feeling like they were just paid and bought for anyways, um, So, all of those things added together and knowing I had to be there even longer. And then what they have some other judge come sit in. Like, I didn't know how this was going to go. Was it going to, you know, spring out past the weekend? I mean, this trip's already cost me $2,000 with, and I don't have a give, send, go. I don't, I don't have any help. And um, I just, I didn't want to do it. And then also, you know, figuring that I was already going to be convicted. Yeah. I mean, I had maybe hope for one one or two jurors. And, you know, unfortunately, when you're back there with all these people that do not want to be there and they just want it to be over with and, you know, you have to agree. I think it was just very easy for people to be persuaded if, it, if anybody was even holding out. I mean, they only deliberated for two and a half hours. So, yeah. So, so they found you guilty on all the charges. Yes. Hmm. Well, so now I will be making a good send go. Um, you know, I've, got go to go to Yes.
0: And you have some good reasons for appeal. Did you get, did they file any motions for you to help you
1: be able to set up for appeal at all? Change of venue, anything like that? Yeah. So I made them do a change of venue and that, You know, I have all all the messages. I made sure that even when I talk to my attorneys, that majority of what I say to them in person is also in writing so that I have all of this because it's inadequate defense at at minimum. Um, But yeah, I mean, I have all of this that I've stored and kept because I asked them for a good since they became my attorneys. So at least since October, to file a change of venue. And they kept telling me it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. You're not gonna get it. I said, I don't care. You work for me. If you're not gonna file anything else, at least file that. You know, and it's like pulling teeth. I mean, they don't wanna file anything in my defense. And actually when we sat in that room and they reamed me out about testifying, also got pretty loud and swearing at me and telling me, you know what, Kirsten, enough of this fucking bullshit you know that you shouldn't have gone, you know that you didn't have permission to go in that building. I'm like, wow, some defense attorney you are. I'm like, so you've been in this the whole time against me. You don't even care that's, about-
0: That's what we're seeing over and over is that these public defenders the are, are working with the prosecution and the judges. It's it's
1: just, yep. yeah. They don't care about the truth or the evidence. You know, even the FBI was asked in my trial, did in the last two years and all the video and, you know, discovery that you've looked at and people's phones and you know just everything that you're involved with you're the FBI come on the FBI has seen every video there is he was specifically asked in the last two years have you seen any videos of police allowing people in and he said no on the stand oh wow (laughs) wow but it's that you know it's not surprising because even when I did my reverse proffer my lawyer had brought up a video that my mother had shown them of cops waving people in. okay so if the whole public has seen it the doj has seen it okay
2: oh yeah and
1: he said oh well you know have you seen the video of the police waving you know patriots in and he was like no so even the prosecutors Lied at my reverse proffer, saying that them too have never seen any videos of police waving people in or allowing them in. I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, it's amazing because if we get up there and lie, you know, we're held accountable. But if they, if they lie, nope, you know. Yeah, that's what we call them—the FBI. Yep. Uh, do you have any idea when your sending when your sentencing will be? So as of now, it's April 27th, um, and hoping that that gets pushed out. Not really sure how I got sentencing before Barnett. So I was, you know, at least thinking, because I sat in on Barnett's verdict, and I got to give him a hug and, you know, wish him luck. And, you know, as he said, it's, it's not over. This isn't over for any of us. We were we were robbed of all of our due process, our constitutional rights. And um, so, yeah, when he got found guilty, he was his sentencing is May 3rd. So I'm thinking, why, if my trial is after his, why, why would my sentencing be? This is the same judge. Yes.
0: Yeah. And so you you were sitting in on the in the courtroom for the trial.
1: Yeah, I got some not so pretty looks.
0: Yeah. Oh did gosh. did the judge say anything to you?
1: He did not. He just gave me some very stern looks in the ground, but I mean, it's open to the public. Sorry. you you know, what are you going to hold that against me? It's just ridiculous. Just like, you know, they tell you don't go on social media. Don't, don't tell your story. Don't, don't do anything because they're going to use it against you in your sentencing. And it's like, so what? We just continue to sit here and get railroaded, right? I mean, right. this is my life, not their life.
0: Yeah. and yeah, I you mean, know, if, you can't, if you if you're not allowed to get your truth out in the courtroom, I mean, you know, you you should be entitled to get your truth out somewhere.
1: Well, it's like you know they they live broadcasted, you know, Johnny Depp and Kyle Rittenhouse, and you know, so they pick and choose, but they they haven't you know publicized or videotaped or audio recorded any of the January 6th so that the public can hear. You know, not everybody that cares about these trials can make it to DC. And I think it's unfair because the public has no idea of what is happening behind closed doors in these courtrooms. And I'm sorry, but hopefully on an appeal, hopefully we get granted our change of venues because I don't think the outcome would be the same if you didn't have people that are so personally affected, traumatized, they couldn't go to work the next day, they're friends with all the people that work at the Capitol. I mean, that's not, a, that, that is not a fair and impartial jury of my peers
0: at all. You're going to set up a Gibson and
1: go so we can support yeah. you getting an appeal attorney? Yes, I am. Okay. Okay. A lot of people that I should have just bent at the knee and been done and over with this a year ago, but I just, I can't, I can't for myself and I can't for all the other Patriots because, you know, I can't sleep at night. This is, this has been horrendous. And I I have to stand up for what's right.
0: God bless you for doing that. I think it's amazing. Thank you for being such a fighter.
1: More Americans need to stand up, but I think America is too afraid of what they've done to January sixers that everyone's afraid to stand up. And that's that's a shame because, I mean, our country is getting more unrecognizable every day. Yes, it you is. Know, and, and I I pray for all these January Sixers that are detained. And I mean, the lawsuit that is going to happen when all this is said and done is going to be the largest payout in U.S. history. Oh, you, yeah. you, can't, you, can't, you can't take back you can't give back the those freedoms and pursuit of happiness and you know, all the things we're supposed to have the rights to have. and you know, these people have missed out on their children, their wives, they've lost their houses, they've committed suicide, and you know, I mean, I'm obviously not in jail right now, but I, you know, I'm still on probation, I have a lot of restrictions, still being harassed, and you know, it hasn't been easy, um but my heart does go out to the patriots that do have it a little worse right now and i just pray for justice and you know the fourteen thousand hours needs to be released and the truth you know truth will prevail absolutely
0: well Kirsten, you hang in there and um i will let's get that gives and go set up and uh i will i will share that and uh thank
1: you thank you for fighting And I want to thank you. And, uh, you know, I got to meet Ashley Babbitt's mom, Mickey and uh, Nicole. And I'm just I'm very thankful. And I hope you guys know, you know, how appreciative we all are for everyone taking a stand and not just sitting on their couch, eating bonbons, forgetting about all of us American patriots suffering. Somebody's got to be on the front lines and I'm uh, proud to be on them with you. So awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Kirsten. We'll talk soon. Great. Right, sounds good. Bye. Take care.
3: All right. We're back. Day two of Reawaken Tour in Nashville. Thanks for joining us, Trentis. Hey, thanks
2: for having me, now.
3: So Trinis Evans is with us, and uh, he spoke last night on the stage with uh, Laura Logan, and uh, you guys got to sing the anthem at night, which o'clock. was
1: beautiful.
3: That was um, amazing.
2: Oh, uh, shout out to my brother, Pi. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, sing for freedom That's
1: something i don't talk about very often we did this at a Donald trump rally in south texas
2: we were yelling
1: january you know say
3: january 6th nine o'clock, january
1: 6th and he didn't understand so i said to train us, let's do it and we jumped up and started singing in the whole place bless you. started singing we're,
2: so, late. okay let's, let's go. go let's go oh. oh say can you see by the dawn's early light? Let's so proudly we hailed at the twilight. it's so yeah. well. solidarity with our guys. You know. I'm, I'm telling you guys, 9 o'clock, you matter where you are. I, I'm still waiting to see the videos in the shopping malls. I guess I might have to do it myself. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to start our own flash malls. Maybe we I need think. to buy a shopping malls. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I don't know. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, tell us about uh, what you're doing. You've got some stuff going on uh, to fight for all of our dependents.
2: Yeah, so, you know, continuing to say something, working at this, we've been around, Kind of, I've been around, I guess, since the beginning. I've for myself, as you know. And we're working on changing everything. Um, we've written and completed the most comprehensive pooling of data and information to go into a change of venue motion ever in the history of the United States court.
3: If this doesn't work
2: change of venue and the facts then you're gonna think in the terms of, it. You're get it out of the, the judges keep saying we the data show me the information. And I'm sorry but these attorneys have come forward this far with 400 people from Georgia, 400 people from Virginia, 400 person poll from USC. a total of 1,200 people poll. I don't get thinking about that that's not good enough. How do we get more people? I looked into the cost and I was it's staggering. For a 30,000 person poll, you're talking it's like around a dollar a person. It was insane. So we're like, how do we get something better? It dawned on me one night. And what we could do to get something that's representative of people more data through, right? And polling can be skewed because people have an expectation Why why they answer this, right or why am I answering this, why am I answering the right way? So, what we came up with is now 86% of America had digested the data, and this is everyone with a digital device. So if you think about that, it's a mass number of people. A 330 million people here, right? So we're representative of what we have in question for together is literally how tens of millions of people it's absorbed data and looked into that data. And it's because Google knows Every time you search something, like just like your Google history, they have that for every American, every citizen, everyone here, everyone on this platform. So even who are not so the people that are actually looking at this information and how they're doing it, and the kind of terms that they're using to search for. After compiling the data, you break it into a motion, put together, it's already filed. So now we have more of these that are going on in the books, and the motion is improving and improving. Unfortunately, we're in a almost within, like a draft
3: form now is this is this going in for a uh a specific
2: uh, defendant? Yeah, Christopher uh, Alberts. It's a okay. Christopher Alberts stuff. Who tried to get it into the Proud Boys, and I was begging these attorneys to come with it back in October, September. And, well, oh, no, 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 you know, we'll have time, we'll have time, we'll, have time. we'll get into this. Yeah. It's always the same thing. And then, honestly, what happens, when you back at this and they go, and then they try and do it, and it's like, oh, too late. And then, I mean, I've watched this scenario play out over and over again, but it's not too late. If you do it, what we're telling you, do it now. But in their infinite wisdom, they don't do it. I'm sorry, this is a fact. I'm not gonna, nobody gets any slack on that because the guys they are sitting 750 days now are not getting any slack. They're not getting anything. so you know I saw this picture of the apples, you know where the picture came from? Is
3: that from inside the No, that's
2: actually in a facility in Texas was sent to me by one of the J6 ers got that picture to my point inside the facility like in Texas. Oh wow! Those are the apples that were brought into the, the, the facility that day and served. That is ripple. Yeah. That, so they would say like basically, culture. like if you flip it over, like some parts of it are good, right? Yeah. They literally eat around the mold. And stuff. So that's wow. what qualifies as several people. That was their ration, if you will. Hey, at least they're getting
3: pressed fruit, right? It's bad, it's bad. It could be better off trying to make toilet wine with
2: that than you would uh, trying to make a Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice. terrible. I, mean, I saw that. I mean, I know mean exactly. it came out of the jail to me. I'd be able to for a long time. horrible. It great to see. This is how they're being treated. And so, uh, that, that's where you are in the fight right now?
3: And you're, you're waiting to see how this motion comes yeah. we it in? we change
2: when you working and we have a due process resolution. Through okay. so due process resolution, explaining the arrests are happening incorrectly. I've been screaming about this since the beginning. So we're inviting that. We've been asking the Attorney General to get involved. The Attorney General is of the state of Texas, Mississippi, uh, West Virginia. I've been on the phone with every one of these people, or in person, asking them, why are you not upholding the state constitution? So, is
3: this have to do with, with the FBI doing the arrests? when really,
2: it should be the county yeah, sure. sheriff. I've been screaming since the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I've literally, been over a year and a half now, I, they I actually filed charges, or I filed a complaint with my county sheriff for charges were filed, trying to be able to take up the charges against the FBI for abduction and kidnapping. It sounds crazy, but it's not nothing crazier than them serving and assuming power, hundred honorary power than no one Right. So I've, I've become quite the expert, and I've offered debated it. I've actually debated it two attorney General i like, here's where you're wrong. And show them in the law. The number section of the criminal code, the state of Texas, and we're like, oh, gee, Louis got it. He was a judge. Yeah. So when Louis and I had this conversation, I don't understand why no one's doing it. Because uh, like it doesn't need votes. That's why. I mean. It's like 2 1 So is that, is that going to go anywhere? Uh, uh, Actually, this got commitment from the America Project is going to be helping us with that. So now I think we're going to be able, able to reach everything resolutions passed for the county parties now the year. Um, It's a slow going to get this county in the county. The American project can reach all the counties at once, so we're going to get them running out. So I think we're going to see a massive number that's passed really good. The U.S. of Congressman now, uh, we going to put some on here, which is I've worked we've got a chance to talk to you a little bit. We'll uh, in Houston at the J6 and been there. So, you know, they got some of the good stuff. It's the second anniversary, it's two years later. But I you don't think we're doing something better than something yet. It could have been blasted.
3: Can you imagine sit days in jail? And like,
2: yeah, we look into it. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's
3: it's it's time we go on offense because we've been playing defense for a century, and it's you know we we we've not given us What's that? Not giving far. No, it's not. And, and all we've done is play defense when when uh, you know, and, and then it's like we're like, oh, okay, we'll give you an inch, and then they take two miles, and, and we never we never go on the offense, and it's time we do that.
2: Well, yes, this country should have been on offers in the 60th century, of course, it have been a waste. But, you know, everybody's going to ask for bees and, uh, food, you know, if you to a the side home, barbecue on Sunday, and that's good, right? you problem. As long as I can do that, there's cold beer in the fridge, and food on the table, we're all right. But it's not the way it is. This is a downward spiral. It's been the greatest It's gotten so bad that it's there you can't refuse to recognize it. Which so far where we're going to run. Now, But the due process, generally, those the two big actions we're really, doing, because this helps every Jason. And that's kind of where we've been. I want to un- undo and stop the be madness No more shocking. We have enough. We have enough deaths, enough concerns, enough people going that we have to wait. So it's not easy. Well, thank you for all you continue to do. And you've really been a... Plus you guys individual and all you know. I mean, I mean we all watch you, you know, we all talk and it's great to see you. Exactly. I mean exactly. I'm always so impressed with other people in too.
3: Right? Oh yeah. that's, that's that's the great thing about all of our organizations that are able to work together and support each other, lift each other up, promote each other because we're we're all taking different different strategies, focused on different things and, and that's how we do this, you know.
2: We've got a dozen organizations working
3: yeah. together.
2: better. Yeah. And then we I mean I've never I think we all talk to each other, we all work together. You know, there's an organization that sets himself apart, I'm I gonna get into that, he does our own thing, not my not my lane, we've done a lot of cover But all the rest of us are working together, and that's truly representative of the American we need, the unity we need, the standing and solidarity we need, and the focus and push forward that we need to get somewhere. So I appreciate you need, for what you do because you guys keeping the you guys keep the ball in the air at that DC level, right there and for people to see that reminder yeah. god bless
0: you thanks so much for joining us for this episode of justice and jeopardy don't forget you can tune in every night from 7 to 9 30 p.m eastern for our DC Gulag Vigil and that is live streamed. You can find it on our website at a4justice.org as well as on our YouTube channel, Americans for Justice. You can also find it on Freedom Express Media channel and that is on YouTube and Rumble as well. We'll see you back here tomorrow and don't forget to always be bold and speak the truth. If you'd like to help us support J6 families as they're released from jails and prisons, Please check out the Elijah Fund. You can find that on our website, a the number four justice.org slash TEF.
4: Americans for Justice, Inc. is a nonpartisan alliance that vigorously defends the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and due process across our great nation, which are pivotal to preserving life, liberty, and freedom for all. Too long we have played defense and are losing on all battlefronts through divided efforts. The root problem of election integrity, medical freedom, political prisoners, southern border crisis, CPS and APS and others is one common thing. A direct assault on the U.S. Constitution and due process. Americans for Justice is a nonprofit organization with local chapters in all 50 states, working with lawyers, legal scholars, and organizations to actively fight government overreach at all levels. Unite with us in the fight for our J6 political hostages and whatever else due process rights are violated. We ask for your support in this vital mission through a one-time donation or an ongoing membership. Go to the letter A, the number 4, justice.org.